So before we get started, I wanted to, I normally like come up with like an anecdote thing or like share an idea, but because we're doing so many new things, things for the first time in this episode, uh, including having four people on. Yeah. This is uh, the, the most populous episode of Derazzled yet. So. Now, like, like Rob has an excuse. He's a specialist, but Vince has not earned his place here. Uh, <laughs> so I've compiled four four questions four multiple choice questions and you just have to get one like the bar is really low uh if i don't get any do i have to leave? yeah you have to leave <laughs> 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 all right ready hmm. yeah, there's, there's a theme you'll have to see if you can pick it up which of these actors has not shown their butthole in a film <laughs> oh it's a multiple choice <laughs> yeah uh holly hunter melanie griffith Charlotte Gainsbourg or Laura Dern? <laughs> uh, Laura Dern. That's correct. Nice. I get hey, hey, you say. Bar, uh, the bar has been passed. Uh, uh, due to my extensive movie butthole knowledge. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. I ruined my search history <laughs> just like you're on more lists I, now I mean, when we get to my research section so did i right uh question number two in their book superheroes what masked vigilantes miraculous mutants and a uh, sun god from smallville can teach us about being human uh who does grant morrison name as not needing a butthole <laughs> the incredible hulk wolverine superman or aquaman uh, I'm going to say Wolverine. Ah, that's incorrect. Superman. The Smallville was the hint within the question. Ah. It, well, that was just the name of the title. Um, <laughs> no, well. No, he, he definitely talks about all of the heroes, but specifically he says Superman, uh, he, he gets his, he consumes the sun. Like he gets his energy from the sun. So the, if you don't need to poop sun. <laughs> See, I He's, was just thinking like uh, – because of Wolverine's regeneration abilities, mm. any injury caused by like the toxic, <laughs> the the sepsis that would set in from right. not having a butthole, right. he'd be fine. He, no, he chooses to poop. <laughs> <laughs> he willfully poops. To see awesome. in. <laughs> right. uh, last question: In 2015, a product designed to hide your cat's butthole went viral. Those still debated as whether it was made in earnest or as a gag. What was the name of this cat butt jewelry? <laughs> I remember this. Bumbling, as in bum, bling, mm -hmm. twinkle tush, no more Mr. Brown Eye, <laughs> or kitty glitter. Uh, D. I'm gonna go with the last one. Ah, uh, no, that was that was one I I came up with. That's pretty good. happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was... Did you come up with three of them? Because they were all fairly convincing. Um, bumbling was mine, and <laughs> kitty glitter was mine. The correct answer is twinkle tush. <laughs> And Miss, no more Mr. Brown Eye. <laughs> Which is the best of them. <laughs> Which is the best of them is to cover up animal buttholes, but not specifically cats. <laughs> um, Wait, that one's actually a product? Yeah, it was on Etsy. 
You've got to be fucking kidding me. I no, this I suddenly miss regret see all over again. <laughs> oh, oh god damn it. Fantastic. Uh round of applause for Vince. He gets Thank to stay. You. Thank you. Uh I am really sad to be here. <laughs> Fantastic. Let's get started. Welcome to Derazzled, the podcast that takes award-winning worst films and fixes them. I'm host Jack Colbertson, and here to suffer alongside me as always is also host Joe Neelis. That's me. I'm that one. Today, we'll be confronting an, e- an enemy so terrible, so heinous, that we brought in the big guns. Special expert, Rob Huckenberry, and special victim, Vince Stefano. <laughs> All the movies on Razzle won Worst Picture at the Razzies the year they were released. Or were nominated or something. Yeah, this one won. <laughs> we've played a little loose here and there. The Razzies, for those who don't know, are something of a reverse Oscars. They recognize the worst films of the year. With 41 remaining movies to pick from, and being aware of the eldritch horrors that lie ahead, I've made wild assumptions about Vince's character and suggested we watch Cats. Vince! Yeah. Are we still friends? <laughs> uh, so I had been saying for a long time that uh, I wanted my first Mushrooms experience to be Cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up going in sober, but it still kind of fulfilled a lot of the uh, the things that I wanted it to be. You may as well have dosed. <laughs> yeah. like, it just... I noticed you dodged the question. <laughs> Jack, we were never friends. <laughs> Fair. You heard it here, folks. Vince is an asshole. Uh, yeah, we're fine. Fantastic. I'll try harder. <laughs> so, before we forced you to watch this movie, what was your exposure to cats? Uh, internet memory. Uh, oh, okay. and yeah. my dad. So, my dad brought in shows to IUP. Um, which is a thing that we all kind of at Fisher Auditorium. Um, oh, okay. So okay. we all kind of have that like collective. Oh, that was his job. That was his job. Ah, okay. Cats was one of them. I can't remember if I was like there and super little, or if I just mm-hmm. have false memories of the show. But like, I have some minor exposure, not in a form that I remember the entire thing before the movie. Got it. Repressed memories of cats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Rob. How about you? Uh, I have spent most of my life pretending I don't hate the stage show, <laughs> uh, especially amongst my dancer friends that worship it and think it's the greatest thing ever. Uh, Man, they're going to hate this episode. Uh, yeah. And I've been to multiple, and I mean like four or five different yelling conversations about what is Cats and why does it have a plot and does it have a plot? And how many shrooms did Lloyd Webber do before he wrote Cats? We, we, it was all coke. Brought all in the right coke. person. <laughs> yes. Joe, did you have any exposure to Cats? Uh, mostly through commercials, mm-hmm. advertising, like various touring runs of it. But I do uh, – one of my favorite things to tell people about it whenever it comes up in conversation mm-hmm. is that my mom and dad, before I was born, went to a showing of Cats on Broadway. And they went high out of their minds and left halfway through just laughing their asses off. <laughs> and that's how Joe was conceived. <laughs> no. Jesus. What, what year did it come out? Uh, 1982 is when it okay, hit me. So it it fits. Yeah. Uh, my only exposure to cats was knowing. So like, it was around the fourth grade that I found out I wanted to be a theater person. Like I wanted to act first. Um, and I knew cats was a thing that like accurately actor people should do. Uh, <laughs> so quote unquote new. Right, right. I I knew nothing. Uh, and then I I remember seeing a commercial for like cats for the first time being broadcast on television. Uh, so I like waited, waited for this to come on the TV. It was like one of those like big box TVs, um, yeah. like a big CRT like, like on old... the floor. Like it was like a thing. One of those like wood, like yes. wood framed, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, my grandfather had one of those. Yeah. I loved it. And it had a little like 
door that you pushed the side and like flipped open. You could like adjust yeah. the yeah. We're old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm watching this thing, and I too don't remember much. Uh, but apparently, I was like, I, I was like, maybe I don't want to be an actor. Maybe this is not <laughs> what I wanted to do. Oh, uh, no. And then I also uh, told you, reading Rainbow did a a, a, a bit on right. cats, which you was pretty cool. That. I did like that. Um, they kind of go behind the scenes and uh, talk to the actors about like costume costumes, makeup, that kind of stuff. It was really nice. Um, and uh, when you know, I don't act anymore. It's weird. <laughs> what I'm getting is that repressed <laughs> memories are real. And the satanic panic was actually just cats. Yeah, no, the, Satan had nothing to do with that. <laughs> Actively, openly denies it to this day, and no yeah. one will listen. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, so let me give you guys a, I was going to say a real quick summary, but that's a lie. Uh, let me give you a summary of specifically the film. Um, but before I go into it, I want to say that I've limited my usage of the word eat to three. Three yeets starting meow. <clears throat> the movie opens on what Rob tells me is London, but that windmill thing from Moulin Rouge is in the background, which makes Cats part of the greater Moulin Rouge cinematic universe, the GMRCU. <laughs> and I refuse to be told otherwise. I, I would like to add one thing. Please. Uh, you were super offended when I gave my opinion of the set, which is that it is the a cross between Moulin Rouge and Blade Runner. <laughs> you... <sighs> First the lie. There has to be shadows for it to be Blade Runner. <laughs> Everything was so bright. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> oh, okay. Throw, throw a little speed mm. racer in, then you got it. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> We're plunged into a CGI hellscape where we see uh, Disney's Corella pull her 1974 Panther DeVille saloon into an alley. In her hand, she holds a writhing sack. Deciding cats are so last fall, Corella yeets the bag before driving off, presumably to skin some puppies. Presumably. 30 CGI morph-suited cats with human faces superimposed onto them inspect the squirming pillowcase. Monkustrap? Monkstrap. Mm -hmm. Monkustrap. Monkustrap. Okay. Monkustrap, a cat trying really hard to look mysterious, but coming across more like your drunk uncle about to get handsy. Claws open the the pillowcase, <laughs> revealing Victoria, the Caucasian cat, I mean, the white cat. <laughs> the cats inform the new kid that they are special cats called Jellicles, which means they do all the regular shit cats normally do, plus whatever popped into T.S. Eliot's skull at the time of writing. We also hear mention of a ball or contest wherein it will be decided whom among them is sent to the heavyside lair. They also weekly thread a subplot involving Mr. Mistopheles, a magical tuxedo cat, wanting to cat bone Victoria. Like you do. <laughs> like you do. Upon the arrival of Macavity, played by Idris Alba, the other cats <laughs> abandon Victoria. <sighs> I used to think he was better than this. Yeah, I know. Like Idris? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because like, I, I haven't watched many movies with him, but I always kind of like, oh, he is uh, A-grade good good actor. Um, And then he did Cats. I'm like, but why would you? Does this coincide much with his boxing career? Because it might be like some oh, some like punchy stuff. brain stuff. Yeah. That explains a lot. Um, I didn't know he <laughs> Actually, did boxing. Yeah, neither does news to me too. He uh, he tried to make a break professionally. Uh -huh. Yeah, really. I don't know much else about it other than that that he is attempted it. Canon now. The, <laughs> like, the only reason he signed off on this movie was. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say McCavity has a concussion. No, no. Um, no he signed off this movie to record with Taylor Swift to have one line in a song about her actual English boyfriend. 
That's yes. <laughs> Upon the arrival of McCavity, played by Idris Alba, uh, concussed as hell, the other cats abandon Victoria. McCavity tells Victoria that he's going to win the ball uh, before magic ninja poofing away. Uh, why do you feel the need to tell Victoria, who is not a jellicle and therefore not in the competition? Reasons. Evil reasons. <laughs> the jellicle cats reappear to recite a poem about how cats have three names. They do this in a CGI graveyard. This is a metaphor for the bloat and inevitable crash of the capitalism as it relates to the 1980s overconsumption. I'm just kidding. It means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Uh, <laughs> as does the following ballet number uh, for it goes on for fucking ever. Paroused, the tuxedo cat. I fucking hate you. I hate you so much. We were friends before that. And now it's over. That was, that was, the last that was it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we may fire Jack. We'll see how this goes. So this is what it like. What it feels like to like deliver puns. Yeah, because I don't do that. No, you don't. You should never do it again. Fuck <laughs> off. You should do it all the time. <laughs> no, he's ta- he's tasted power. He's he's this is gonna go right to his head. I, I think there's one more. Aww. You think. Anyway, Proused, the tuxedo cat screams his own name be- as he pounces into the scene. Mistopheles! Uh, Mistopheles shoots a shot, biffing it, but somehow still manages to do better than that time I was talking to a woman on Tinder and she asked me what I was into and I said the General Mills cereal monsters. <laughs> the best answer. <laughs> If you can't handle me and my booberry, you don't deserve me and my chocula. Jack, how long have you been waiting to say those words? Which part? If you can't handle me at my booberry. That's not even mine. That's Belinda's. <laughs> credit where credit's due. She, yeah. yeah, she's like, if they can't no, handle you no, at your booberry. No, Jack would have said fruity yummy mummy. <laughs> Special guest of the podcast that will never, ever appear, Belinda. Yeah. She'll appear at some point. Uh, oh, I thought she respected herself too much for it. No, she's dating me. <laughs> uh, Mugstrap spells out the plot of the film. Just in case the audience missed it, upset by the promise of buttholes, though there was none to be had. <laughs> he states the elder cat uh, will show up and judge them, deciding on the single cat to eat into space. The quote unquote heavy side layer. Uh, this will cause the as to yet be yeeted cat to be reborn in the cat life of their cat choosing. Mungostrap invites Victoria to see one of the cats looking for a solid yeeting. That's four yeets. Fuck you. <laughs> that's two. This is two yeets. That's four. That's four. four. That's, that's four. four. Oh, God, I... Broken I'll promises. see myself out. Yeah, see you later, uh, <laughs> They go into the kitchen of Jenny Anydots, the Gumby cat. This is Rebel Wilson. Am I supposed to care? Am I supposed to be excited by this casting? Am I old? Whoever she is, her shtick gets old immediately. While at first appearing to be a real Garfield, she busies herself at night training small child-faced mice to sing and showgirls in anime cockroach armor to dance. <laughs> this aborted Smashing Pumpkins music video makes for strong nightmare fuel. But nothing compares to Jenny Anydots skinning and removing her first layer of her fur coat. I could have very well done without that at any point ever. That's actually what I came to the movie for, so... The cat skinning, but also more cat fur underneath? Yeah, no, the nightmare fuel. Vince, I'm not oh, normally oh, one yeah, to no, no, no. shame, but. <laughs> so after doing that, she eats four or five lady cockroaches before Rum Tum Tugger, the funk cat who fucks, appears on her mantle. <laughs> Milk! <laughs> Rum Tum Tugger tells Victoria he'd like to eat her ass. I mean, more or less. Yeah. No, I replayed it several <laughs> times. I'm like, no, that's definitely what he says. 
Victoria's not entirely against it. He then sings about how cats are indecisive. We break from the numbers so that Rebel Wilson can shoehorn a tired joke about neutering. Oh this God. is the first of four pointless juvenile interruptions. After just, just four? Yeah, yeah, I counted it. It feels like so much more. It really does. Yeah. Um, it's, after seducing some jailbait, Rum Tum Tugger runs into Grizabella, the glamour cat. He hisses. His erection defe- defeated. Tugger, <laughs> Tugger fucks right off. Grizabella is real sad and old and used to be pals with McCavity, which is the, the Jellica cats don't like her. I don't, I still don't get it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, McCavity, uh, Nightcrawler bamps Jenny any dots away. And uh, Emily's reaction to that was, uh, I mean, thank you. Right. No, no, it's <laughs> the best part of the movie. <laughs> the correct reaction. <laughs> Next, we suffer through Bustopher Jones, played by James Corden, oh, another dr- celebrity I feel like I should know, but don't and now never want to. Um, Best known for his talk show that's not good, hmm. his uh, singing karaoke in Cars with Celebrities, and like a two-episode spot he did on Doctor Who where he's overshadowed by a baby. They should have got that baby. They should have got that baby. That's... I, I feel like his role in the world is to be hated. Like most of what I ever hear about job. James Corden is, is hatred. But he's also like. This is not his first movie musical. He got his start doing musicals and plays he... on the West End. He's the lead in Into the Woods. Uh, and something else huh. I'm blanking on. I know uh, there's more. Like, the the stage, not the movie, or the movie as well? The movie. Mm. He's, yeah, he's the baker in that Disney travesty. <laughs> I didn't I realize that. Oh. Uh, like Jenny Annie Dots, he deviates from the style of the show to make quick, quippy quips that might amuse children who convince their parents to take them to this dumpster fire, all of whom have since divorced. <laughs> I did. I did hear on the most recent um, other podcast mm-hmm. uh, the um, it's not worst idea of all time. It's uh, till death do us blart. Till death do us blart. Uh, yeah. That um, <laughs> that Justin McElroy's children love cats and like to watch it over and over again. Oh uh, no, I missed so that bad. detail when I listened to it. Yeah, Shit. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to just grow up <sighs> super weird. Oh yeah, they have, I mean they they're Justin McElroy's kids, but it's so, going like, to be worse. Now. It's going to be worse now because they've, they've that well's now been poisoned by Tom Hooper. <laughs> Bustopher wants to be chosen so that he can come back as a skinny and become a fatty, fatty, fat, fat all over again. He sing gargles some CGI champagne, something they kept out of the soundtrack release. Thank God. Lots uh, of plus. Yeah, they the the soundtrack release cuts ninety nine percent of the bullshit. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the songs. Um, like, I was afraid they were going to do the song and still have Rebel Wilson's bullshit. Nah. Good. Uh, so he does this before being pressured to dive into a Mario warp tube by McCavity. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm not, I'm like one third of the way through this. <sighs> this fucking movie. Uh, Mungo Jerry and Rumple Teaser show up to. <laughs> These names. Just... <laughs> I was telling Belinda earlier about uh, Rum Tum Tugger's bulge, and she was like. <laughs> Rum tum what now? <laughs> Rum tum wants you to tug her. There it is. Uh, somebody had to do it. Of course. Uh, well, so, hugging fruit. So these fucking cats. Fuck. <laughs> uh, God. Uh, they, they, they remind us the cats are dicks. They teach Vi- Victoria cats are dicks, but, but leave her for dead when the family dog shows up. Mistopheles arrives to help Victoria. They nearly share a kiss, but Victoria ain't feeling it for reasons vague reasons i do want to touch on touch on god damn it i do want to get to one point about uh those two mm-hmm. in particular mm-hmm. are they supposed to be siblings 
uh, Mistopheles. Oh, oh. Uh, Mungo Jay and Rumble Teaser are, yeah. yes. They're yeah, there okay. was some really big threesome energy throughout that yes. whole fucking song, and it was horrible yeah. to watch. That, I'm that's so... a fair critique. <laughs> <laughs> if they had only gone there. <laughs> oh, no, I feel M, yeah. M and I agreed. They basically did. It was the like musical, like dim the lights, zoom in uh, on the fireplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole dance scene, especially once they're rolling around on the bed together, kind of felt like that. It was yeah. fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, on stage, Mungo Jerry's costume is extremely gay. So he's got, uh, okay. it's a he wearing like the cutout sweatshirt type of thing uh, oh, over yeah, yeah. top of his cat suit. Hell yeah. Stylish. Nice. You know what? I don't, I may have their names backwards. I can never tell them apart because. Right. Right. The reasons. The, they're yeah. Calicas. Uh, so we meet old Deuteronomy played by Judy Dench. She's lived 99 cat lives in a row. I did the math and that would make her no less than 407 <laughs> in human years, which with that considered looking pretty good, Judy. Uh, anyway, she is to pick the cat most deserving of being launched into space. <laughs> we enter the theater where the ball will take place. Uh, we get a lengthy dance number, uh, one that, like, Victoria looks like she skipped dance rehearsal, um, barely able to keep up with the intricate tail choreography. Rude. Idiot. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Grizabella skulks around the edge of the party. She's spotted by the diva cats, who hiss at her. There's a lot of hissing. There's a lot of hissing. Victoria takes five, spotting Grizabella singing her sad song about memories and how she once had a great life, but now is just a smelly old garbage cat. Victoria tries to take her hand, but Grizabella pulls away at the last second as though she isn't worthy. I think that's different in the show. I think the other cats hold Victoria back from touching yes. her. Side note, Grizabella was considered too sad by T.S. Eliot to include in the book. So yes. she is a cut scene from the book. Wow. Yeah, that's accurate. Huh. Um, and the only emotional content in the entire movie. And the last element added to the stage show, but that's... Yep. Interesting. Wow. Uh, we then get to a song <laughs> from Victoria, Beautiful Ghosts, in response to Grizabella's song about only having memories. Victoria says that at least Grizabella had that, these beautiful ghosts. She has nothing. And if I'm being honest, this is the five minutes of the movie I actually enjoyed. It's also the only one not in a stage show. Uh, which yeah. I'm <laughs> about this is the Taylor Swift song, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, only after writing this did I find out that this uh this was an original song written by taylor swift for the movie um thus committing the movie's greatest sin of tricking me into liking a taylor swift song i'm a swifty now you guys <laughs> yeah no, don't, applaud you. You. don't applaud that don't applaud that i'll do what i want fuck you <laughs> uh Mustafa? i am allowed to swear on this show right what the f oh my god Have we just we just had a conversation to start this about cat butthole jewelry covers yeah but none of those were cuss words have i not said cat fucking i've had to have said cat fucking i thought you said cat fucking at some point you... it would be weird of me not to have said cat fucking oh no we uh, did yeah. an entire episode about superhero kind of lingus so yeah you're fine <laughs> all right cool just so long as you're not going to get fined by the fcc or whatever nah all right nah. cool this is not nipplegate <laughs> mistopheles uh, catches gus the theater cat drinking backstage Something anyone who's done community theater has almost certainly experienced. <laughs> <laughs> Gus sings about the good old days. This is helped by Mistopheles, an admirer of the performer's work. Deut Deuteronomy is amused. But before we get the cat orgy we've all been waiting for, McCavity arrives <laughs> to McCavity Gus away. McCavity! <laughs> Idris. Concussion, concussion. Got to go. <laughs> Paycheck. Uh, then fucking Skimbleshanks, the railroad cat. I hate this fucking pointless sa uh, song tap dance number. I hate the cat's face. 
I hate that it sidelines the plot. I hate that everyone's fine with Gus disappearing. Hold on. Hold on. You hate that it sidelines the plot? <laughs> we 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 got some like plot developing, right? Like they're at the ball. That's a charitable phrase. Very much so. They're at the ball. They're auditioning for a yeeting and <laughs> How many is that now? I think that's five. That's five. five, years, five. You know, yeah. We're gonna um, hit ten before the night is over. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Then McCavity shows up, steals another one, and then there's like, mm, we could continue with the plot where like our cats are going missing, and then one of us gets tossed up there. But instead, we're gonna stop what we're doing to watch this fucking weird ass in a Mario onesie. Uh, <laughs> Tap, tapity, tap, tap, tap. Look, he was trying to save us from Chris Pratt as Mario before we ever knew it was a possibility. Okay? Cast that cat. Cast that cat. Hashtag cast that cat. Hashtag cast that cat. I, I am curious because I, on second viewing, mm-hmm. actually really liked Skimbleshanks. And I don't I don't know if it was that I'd like developed Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious your take on on him in movie and stage show, yeah, we'll, Rob. We'll get to it because I oh. saw your... Um, message that like you suffered through it again and your mind changed on Skimbleshanks. Yeah. Um, we'll get to it. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, da, 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 fuck him. Uh, <laughs> Damn it. Taylor Swift is lowered from the ceiling, <laughs> lounging on a crescent moon. She hotboxes the cats, getting them fucked up with a bedazzled catnip shaker. She sings about how awesome evil McCavity is, and that's all I'm going to say, because the Swifties are dangerous, and I don't want to fuck with them. <laughs> oh, no, they'll come here. Yeah. They will They will find this house. Mm-hmm. They are already mm-hmm. on their way. <laughs> uh, it was great, guys. I loved, I loved Taylor Swift. I'm actually really glad I'm not on camera for that reason alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> smart. Uh, McCavity tells Deuteronomy he's ready to go to the heavyside layer. He is the only remaining contestant after all. Uh, she says he'll nev- that'll never happen. He kidnaps her, taking her to a barge where she meets uh, Carl Panzram in cat form and is made to walk. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. No, that's pretty good. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, Panzram. She, she's then made to walk a very long plank. Uh, back at the theater, Mistopheles tries to magic her back. After a little coaxing and through the power of song. This fucking song, though. He finally succeeds i am i have been thinking about that song for the last 48 hours because it never leaves i've i've had skimbleshank stuck in my head ah interesting which ones mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. we differ on which one is the horrible earworm uh they're all horrible they're, they're all <laughs> which is the worstest of the worst uh, horrible earworm roulette is the yes. movie. So, yeah. so he succeeds uh he then makes it rain Playing cards flying through the air in a way that, like, I I would compare to a video game character with all the cheats on. Yeah, um, I saw jizz. I'm not right. kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you talked about that when we were doing the. Doing he the watch and Victoria through. kiss, and then immediately he shoots spewing across the stage, cats, spewing cards, spewing cards, white everywhere. playing huh. cards across the stage. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> it's very jizzy. It is very jizzy, and no, I didn't somehow I missed that. Uh, it, it, it it finishes with the cat dance, which I guess is redundant now that you've informed me that. He's already finished. Uh, <laughs> Victoria Mistopheles actually Mistopheles' real magic is that mm-hmm. he can just go right again. Oh wow! Yeah, what no cat. refractory period. <laughs> no refractory just... period. God, let me get <laughs> like four paragraphs left. <laughs> uh, Victoria spots Grizabella creep a leaping. Uh, she <laughs> she brings her inside to perform her sad ass song that, according to a former press secretary was used to calm Donald Trump 
when he was raging about the White House. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, good Lord. sings so hard, she collapses. Victoria helps her up, giving Grisabella that sweet, sweet touch. Deuteronomy picks her as the Jellicle choice. The Jellicle sing up, 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 <laughs> proving only through exhausting reputation will a cat do what you ask. <laughs> Grisabella floats off to in a like half chandelier, half hot air balloon. Uh, McCavity tries one last time to catch a ride, but slips falling onto a statue of Napoleon Bonaparte. Ironic because he is the Napoleon of crime, which I take the mean he likes his his women unbathed and his Waterloo's unwon. <laughs> McCavity also tried to tried to overtake Russia in the winter. Yeah, not a good idea. Uh, the sun comes up tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> Judy Dench reminds us that cats are not dogs. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's nice, Grandma. Eat your pudding. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> Fuck. Victor- uh, yeah, Victoria and Mistopheles head bump a precursor to bumping cat uglies. Uh, but he already he- finished. But he already finished. Probably no too. refractory period. But he has no oh, refractory right, 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 right. He's ready to go. He's loaded up with cards already. Um, <laughs> God damn it. This show's stupid. I should leave. <laughs> You're too good for this show. <laughs> but you're stuck here because you answered that one butthole question. <laughs> and the doors are locked. <laughs> uh, Deuteron- Deuteronomy tells Victoria she's now a jellical cat as they both watch Grisabella- Grisabella's balloon drift higher and higher, getting even clo- ever closer to the heaviside layer, which is a part of the Earth's ionosphere and something Grisabella will never see <laughs> as she'll suffocate and die once she's reached around 8,000 meters above the Earth, <laughs> approximately 9,000... 9, 000- 9,992 kilometers away from her intended goal. Thank you for that fact, Rob, by the way. Oh, Oh, God. (laughs) That is, that is my headcanon though, is every, every Jellicle choice is just dead. Like, they just die. Nothing else happens. Oh, yeah. No, no. They, they they pray for death. That is, (laughs) just a trip to urine town. That's all it is. (laughs) Did I miss anything? Um, Plot-wise. Sorry. Plot-wise. Yeah, thank you for using the finger quotes, yes. Plot-wise. No, I think, I, think you, I think you nailed it. I feel like I maybe went too in-depth, honestly. I uh, very I much. Yeah. Like, uh... You did miss the uh, James Corden and, oh my god, why can't I think of her name? Jenny Anydots. Je- yeah. Rebel Wilson, yeah. Rebel Wilson, when, Rebel they, Wilson, when mm-hmm. they take on the cameo growl tiger and escape from McCavity's clutches on the boat. Oh yeah, I did kind of breeze over the cat. Oh yeah, boat that, oh, scenes that, oh, that, is that, fucking that stupid. Me. That reminds me, uh, Carl Pern's ram. Mm, oh, uh, Joe, I'm assuming you already know the answer to this, so we're gonna limit this to Vince only. All right, man, this show sucks. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Did, I can't remember. Are you one of the idiots who asked to be on this? I, uh, yeah, for cats specifically. Yeah, yeah you yeah. do. <laughs> That's always my favorite. <laughs> um, like I kind of feel bad when we ask somebody on and then torture them, but. <laughs> uh, Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, this is the general Rotten Tomatoes score. I'm going to say, you mean like critics, not audiences? Um, I think it's general. I think general combines them, right? I. You would know better than I would. Gonna say low twenties, twenty. Oh, yeah! Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, then specifically the audience score. Uh, hmm. 
If you have any faith left in humanity, drop it. Right. <laughs> no, I like I was going to say high 30s, but based on that comment, mm. I'm going to say low 40s. What is it? 53. <laughs> <laughs> it broke 50? Oh, my yeah. God. I think some of the things we did for our guilty pleasure are lower than that. Yeah, they are. In fact, I'm pretty sure all of them except the cable guy are, which is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to puke. Uh, IMDb. It's out of 10. Um, IMDb always feels um, really? like more centered uh, than Rotten Tomatoes in my experience. So I'm going to say th- uh, three-ish. Not bad. Uh, 2.7. Okay. Yeah. 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 Not good guesses. I uh, am yeah. fucking awesome yeah. at this. <laughs> Your secret skill of being able to guess within a standard deviation of a film's <laughs> horrible score. Uh, okay, here's some stats for cats. Cat stats. Cat stats. In 2019, cats won the 40th Golden Raspberries Award for Worst Picture. Huh? Sure did. Uh, with a total of nine nominations, it won six. Aside from Worst Picture, it won Worst Director for <laughs> Good Tom Tom Hooper. Tom Hooper. Um, I keep thinking of like Toby Hooper, which is a completely different director and not alive. <laughs> it would have been so much better directing this. It would have been this fascinating. Is a I keep telling flick? you, he's yeah. 76 years old and also dead. <laughs> Still could have done a better uh, job. Was, he, uh, Toby Hooper did um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I believe. Oh, and, shit. Funhouse, I think. Oh, uh, let's bring that influence into this. Hell yeah. Uh, the first Poltergeist. Yep. Yeah, I would love to see his cats. <laughs> <laughs> no, that just sounds dirty. Yeah. So, Yodorovsky's uh, cats. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, they sort of look it like Rob Zombie. So weird. <laughs> oh, he's a Yodorovsky, not Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie would be an entirely different. Oh guy. yeah. Oh, I heard. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, amazing. I think he, uh, Rob Zombie. I think he was supposed to do a hockey film at one point, and just like it's just going to be like a hockey film because he likes hockey. That does sound vaguely familiar. Um, was he going to do like a Slapshot remake I, or something? I don't or? know if it was a remake. I think it was like a straight up like original hockey film. I have to look at that. And then up. people were like, no, you're Rob Zombie. Like, go make some more trash horror. But I yes, and now he's ruining film. the Adams Family. The, the Monsters. The Monsters. Yeah. The Adams Family have already been ruined. Yeah. Again. Unfortunately. Uh, also won Worst Supporting Actor for James Corden. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Worst Supporting Actress for Rebel Wilson. Mm-hmm. Yep. Worst screen combo any two half feline half human hairballs <laughs> were there hairballs in this film did i block this out is this a repressed memory that was fast uh, it may just be re- referring to them as hairballs oh, as opposed to <laughs> it is but there's an actual hairball in the movie huh i i assume they are saying i assume yeah. they are saying all chemistry in this film right all of it between any two given cats <laughs> deserves the rest. Or cat insect. I mean, let's not be. You know. uh, oh, God. Uh, and then it also won Worst Screenplay, um, who I'm going to read out the full credits for because they deserve it. Uh, Lee Hall and Tom Hooper, based upon the musical by Andrew Lloyd Webber, which itself is based on a book, Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. T.S. Eliot. Yes. Fuck you all. <laughs> uh, amen. And, and amen. I, I would... I. I'm going to argue that we hold back the fuck you on T.S. Eliot specifically, but I'll get into why later. Um, I'm allowing myself to be convinced, but for right now, I'm holding a solid fuck you. Okay. Because uh, I did read it. I mean. The book. I mean, yeah. Okay. No, no, no. no, no. Fuck him for that. <laughs> ah. But for the rest of it, 
I'll get okay, into it later. Okay. Uh, and then it was it was also nominated for Worst Actress for uh, Francesca Hayward, Victoria. Worst Supporting Actress, Judy Dench as Old Deuteronomy. And Worst Screen Combo, uh, Jason Derulo. Uh, and his Jason CGI Derulo. neutered bulge. <laughs> Wait, was the bulge actually mentioned? Yeah, yes. the uh, combo. Uh, <laughs> Jason Derulo and his CGI neutered bulge. Oh, wow. Um, Which was like the topic of discussion amongst certain sections of the population for I'm like two months. certain. Ugh. I believe that. Uh, so, do you think that he when I talk going... about my When I talk about my section, can you mention that? Because I didn't find that in the places I was looking. Sure. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, so do you think that he realized going into this that he was going to end up getting like the, the David Bowie labyrinth treatment? Or did he demand? Or did he demand? Oh, no. He planned a photo shoot with a wet towel to release when the trailer came out. He did. <laughs> he did. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, real quick before we finish up with Act One, um, I don't have a designated place to talk about this, but Skimbleshanks. Mm. I think right. that the song specifically is, I'm not going to say good, but <laughs> in, I can enjoy it. Where it's placed in the film, I hate. Mm-hmm. I think I think the thing that changed my mind on Skimbleshanks was the, like, I felt like the dancing was particularly good and well okay. shot in that section on my most recent read. But mm-hmm. I also am not a dance person. No, and I also I was in, like, full fever dream by that point in the movie. <laughs> um <laughs> I I think when they are at the theater, mm. I enjoy enjoyed that part. When they leave the theater to do the choo choo train on the tracks, <laughs> and they cut to a wide, it looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> like Cats, the movie should never have shown shown a single wide shot because it takes me out of. I'm like, oh yeah, these are a bunch of like CGI humans on a CGI set. This looks fucking ridiculous. <laughs> it it should have had the like the peanuts role where it's like you never see the adults, which they did. Um, it's just like keep in the world of this this stupid cat. Um, so I don't hate Skimbleshanks, but also f- the fuck because it's it's the same in the musical, right? Like the placement's still the same. Close enough, but in the musical, it comes after a lot of heavy dramatic stuff, so it's your first bop mm-hmm. coming back. And why I enjoy it in the movie is it's real choreography. It's, it's okay. one of the few numbers that doesn't revolve around CGI tails doing the work for the dancers. <laughs> yeah. right, right, right. You actually get to see the dancers dance. The tails are secondary. I can't believe I actually picked up on an artistic dance thing. <laughs> Fuck. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Uh, within the play, does is it narratively justified? Because within the film, is anything narratively justified <laughs> as in the much play. as the others, but it's a much cooler staging because what they do is they pull pieces of garbage out mm-hmm. of the junkyard yeah. and make the train out of it. So yeah, that's what I'm going to say. Familiar, yeah. Because that's yeah, that's one of the the hallmarks of the show is that like almost everything that they're that they're visualizing that uh-huh. isn't a cat is is like comprised of the trash in the junkyard around them, including yeah. like yes. the cats using trash to dress as mice and dogs and yeah. so on, like. That sounds so much cooler than the shit that happened in this movie. Yeah, I know, yeah. right? <laughs> and the train crashes on stage when Shimbleshanks doesn't, or Skimbleshanks doesn't pay attention at one point. Oh, <laughs> so when we get to the portion good. where we discuss the stage show, are you going to give like a this happened versus this didn't? Or are you just talking about a the, little the bit. build? Okay. If, is there any other, we can talk about it now then. Is there any other major differences between the show and the movie? I mean, they cut a lot of cats out. Mm-hmm. Um, they cut the single most 80s thing out, the rumpus cat, 
who saves the cats in the battle of the pollicle dogs against whatever the fuck oh, the other dogs fucking are. Number, right, yeah. And he's got like the Back to the Future glowing sunglasses yes. that blink on stage. <laughs> oh, okay. I've, I have seen images of this cat. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say pollicle dog? Yeah. yeah. No, all cats, cats are genital cats and, and pollicle dogs. <laughs> Somebody didn't read the source material. <laughs> no, I sure didn't. The other type of dog is something that sounds very similar to Pekingese, but it's not Pekingese. Isn't it kind of vaguely they racist? Call them Pekies or something. Yeah. Or pe- yeah. It, it sounds like a slur, even if it's it, not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other um, thing is that the movie makes Victoria a significantly larger character mm-hmm. to try to give us a through line. And McCavity a little bit, right? Uh, McCavity's about the same. He's a little okay. bit more, not much. McCavity's like a huge deal in the show, but it's sort of one of those, look there, he's the fan of the opera, because you don't see him right, for so right, long, right, so right. you hear about him. Okay. Whereas Victoria doesn't, she's not really important other than her one, oh my God, how do you bend that far dance? <laughs> uh, I mean, it should also be pointed out, um, McCavity's supposed to be like a ginger cat. Yeah. And they just made him Idris Elba colored. <laughs> they, and they kept the lyrics the same. It, yeah, entirely. They... Like he says ginger cat. There's this whole port I re-listened the soundtrack today. Um and there's this whole portion where it's Bumballerina. It's it's Taylor Swift. Um <laughs> sings like describes McCavity. I'm like, we're not looking at the same cat at all. <laughs> no, like, no, no, not no, no. like beyond just it not being uh, a orange cat. They did luckily skip the part where McCavity in, pretends to be old Deuteronomy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> and oh, that's a slow motion fight. Yeah. They, to free old Deuteronomy. I, I did watch the recorded stage show, and I, I enjoyed it more than this. You know, I actually kind of want to see a slow motion fight between Idris Elba and Judy Dench. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Not even as cats, just like on the street <laughs> in a supermarket. Um, and in, in the original, Deuteronomy is played by male. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's all the big differences I can think of. I mean, the the at the end, whenever uh, Grizabella is sent off, it's just a tire. Yep. I think right. It's a tire Cause, again because everything's junkyard. Yeah. Yeah. Great. On well, tour, it was an inflatable junkyard. The set. Can we get was one a of those? bouncy house? <laughs> I want a bouncy house junkyard. Uh, Vince, how are you feeling? Uh, concussed. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, we're we're going to take a, a a short break before we concuss Vince further. <laughs> Welcome back to Drazzled. Uh, we are now going to hold those responsible for this travesty. Let's uh, do it. A little, little different than we normally do it. Um, since there's four of us, we've broken up that uh, into into different different areas of responsibility. Um, Rob will go first, and being the the theaterist theater person here. Um, you've been stuck with the stage show. So the stage show, uh, is one of those, it's a hit simply because the right stuff and the right cocaine at the right time. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's theater's always cyclical. So like something big comes along and everybody copies it and it gets old and goes away. So, you know, in the forties you have, oh, we got to stick a ballet and everything, which is great when it's part of the plot, but then mm-hmm. random ballets for no apparent reason, ballet is awful, goes away from musical theater for 30 years. Cats comes along when we start doing concept shows like cabaret or a chorus line where you're not necessarily looking for a linear plot okay and it's the first thing to show ballet Mm. all we've had is jazz dance for 30 years or tap or Uh, okay we haven't had ballet we haven't pretty looking dance and all of a sudden you've got a musical where every little boy or girl that wants to do ballet can see them on selves on stage because even though there's some jazzy stuff and it's it's a ballet based show Mm -hmm. Does Cabaret or the other concept shows 
do they do ballet as well or no. okay that was what was unique to cats okay it's uh you know you've got this concept where it's just cat 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 rough plot if you dig for it sort of like right. hair i mean hair doesn't really have a plot it's a that's true the um, movie has a plot the stage show does not what i'll i'll say this right now um and you should know this because you're the only reason i passed my freshman year um <laughs> i'm a bad theater student <laughs> I am I am not a good th- I sh- n- nope I just I snuck in there for five years got my degree and ran off uh, I was filmed the whole time <laughs> tricked you fuckers um, so while the names are names that I recognize the shows themselves and the story behind them I've I've got nothing cabaret I remember from like was a li- Liza Minnelli's fucking face yeah, yeah. <laughs> haunts my dreams um, and that's it that's all I know uh, so the, like the concept show. The concept show means the concept of what's going on is more important than your plot, okay. where you build it around what it is. Cabaret is about confronting the evils of society. It's not specifically about, you don't really care about where the people are going. It's confronting the horrors of the past to see just how truly awful humans can be. Um, you get Company, which is allegedly about a man who's single and all his friends trying to pair him up, but it's actually about the hell of how our society's idea of forcing you into marriage cripple our society. And that's all done through like uh, the the songs, just songs, right? Well, there's dialogue too, but okay. it's, it's, you don't go to company to see how does Bobby get his happy ending? Right. Okay. You know, you don't go to Sweeney Todd to see how does Sweeney get his happy ending? Certainly not. Is, is Sweeney Todd also kind of a concept? Close. Because I feel like there's a little bit more of a plot. There's, it has more, it, I guess it sort of combines the two because- uh-huh. Sweeney's about the concept of horror on stage. Hmm. Like, how can I stage a horror movie on stage? Gotcha. Hmm. Um, That's the whole point. The only time my mom saw theater before I was in theater was as a school trip. They took them to see Sweeney Todd. And <laughs> or a school. Oh, yeah. It, like, how, wait, how ru- ruined her. Children? I have no idea. Ah, no idea. That's highly inappropriate. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I love they it. They also did the, the prison walk thing where they'll, like, take the kids through the prison be like don't do crime or you'll end up there <laughs> scared straight oh, yeah kids? God. yeah, yeah. some wonder if my mom has terrible anxiety <laughs> uh so with that not the thing about my mom the the concept of what the fuck is cats about then i missed it literally C- cats that's the concept is cats that's the concept that's, that's it joe that's entirely it joe sent a video that i watched the first minute of Yesterday, the Lindsay Ellis, uh, yeah. why is cats? And yeah. it's the, oh, the, there, there is a section. I don't know who is talking. Do you know who's talking in that section? Oh, that's how the, how Prince. Okay. Yeah. And how Prince is asking, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber, wait, is it about, is it actually about this? Not it's cats yes. as this. And it's like, Andrew Lloyd Webber's like, no, it's cats. It's, it's just, just cats. about cats. So keep in mind, well, Lloyd like, Webber is. An infamous egotist. He's right up there with Trump as far as valuing himself. And he had just gotten off a string of, let me write an album, it's going to be hit, I'll turn it into a stage show, and that's Uh also a big hit. Um, So he kind of feels invincible. And he's a huge cat lover. Mm -hmm. Uh, His cat is smarter than him because his cat deleted Love I've Never Dies, and he stupidly rewrote it. (laughs) Uh, I love cats. He had loved the book since childhood. And actually convinced Elliot's widow that this was a good idea. That was something I was going to get into, yeah. Uh, what had he done before this? So his breakout was Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And then he did Jesus Christ Superstar. And then he did Evita. And this was his pit stop on the way to Phantom of the Opera. And then Obscurity after that. Nice. 
And he just could do what he did. And it was tapping into the 80s were the age of excess. And what's more excessive than people in gigantic fur coats dancing in leotards? So it just became this perfect firestorm of here's the first time on Broadway you're hearing a musical where you've got synth and Casio keyboards, which now yeah. we cringe at, but at the time were the coolest thing ever. Right. You know, How you've dare got, you? Synth and Casio keyboards are fucking awesome. Yeah, they're pretty great. They, well, I was about to say, they kind of come back around because I've that was one of the things I enjoyed about it was the synth and Casio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like if you Time is a me flat that, circle. <laughs> right. If, you, if, if I had to listen to this like 10 years ago, I'd be like, oh my God. <laughs> uh Cool, 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 cool. And that was a side effect of the fact nobody wanted to finance the damn thing because everyone went, Andrew, what are you smoking and why are you not sharing? Uh, so by putting synth keyboards in the orchestra, you can cut right. the orchestra in size. That makes sense. Oh, okay. And then you get complications like, so when it was in rehearsal, <laughs> like the first, the out of time, Lloyd Webber always workshops the show. Like he does a production before he tries to do the official one. Okay. Um, it's involved into what's currently called the Sinmonton Festival in where he has one every year where it's, if it's not his new work, it's somebody's new work that okay. he does in his estate. Um, Grisabella wasn't in there. And Trevor Nunn, head of the English National Theater, the esteemed stage director, who, um, he was like, we need some dramatic through line. Mm-hmm. And that's where they dug up Grisabella. Uh, okay. And that's where they cast Tim Rice's uh, lover, Elaine Page, in the role. Um, and Lloyd Webber plucked Memory, which he had written for something else and just never used, uh-huh. <laughs> put it in the show. Uh, Elaine's like, this sucks. Trevor's like, this, this sucks. They brought Tim Rice in to write lyrics. Afterwards, he asked them to pull the lyrics out because he thought they sucked. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and it ended up the lyric that we all know and love was uh-huh. written by the director in rehearsal, basically. Yeah. It's not Elliot. It's Trevor Nunn. It's Trevor Nunn. Yeah. Huh. That's amazing. Because like, the thing that I know Cats for, besides like the, the poster, because mm-hmm. it's like, kind of a cool poster, um, is that song. That's what most people know is, is memory. And it's ironic. Sorry, Alanis Morissette, ironic. Uh, <laughs> because... It's not this full power ballad in the show that you expect it to be. Mm-hmm. It's actually sung in multiple chunks. Mm-hmm. You never get the full full throttle of music of the night moment out of it. Right. But right. it's still what everyone, every music box manufacturer between like 1985 and 1995 uh-huh. played memory. Hmm. Interesting. That song, that song's interesting to me too because it, in this viewing, it didn't do anything for me until the very end of the last rendition of it. Um, I guess we can talk more about that later, but the, like, um, that's, it's interesting that everybody in production hated it too. <laughs> it honestly, memory within the score has more of a through line than the rest of the show itself does because yeah. you start, other people sing memory as snippets and they're all hissing at her and yelling at her and it's anger and hurt and regret before it turns the corner by the final time she sings it into Local New Day has begun yeah. now. Yeah. So if the Grisabella part was put in at the end, was there a different cat picked to be the Jellicle cat? Or like the no whole No one's thing? willing to admit, but there had to have been. Hmm. Yeah. That's huh. one of those great lost secrets of cats. Like who who wanted what, the end? What's, what's your guess? Rob, I need yeah, to know what's yeah, your guess. Like what other cat would maybe Gus? Gus would be the only one I would think. Gus would be or old Deuteronomy herself himself. <laughs> like, oh, fuck oh, y'all. Oh, the fingers they're floating <laughs> off. Eat shit. I'm going into the atmosphere. <laughs> no, no, I needed to make it to hundred. No, 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 no. <laughs> Cause Gus Gus's song is, at least in my opinion, kind of similar to mm-hmm. 
uh, Grisabella's, and they're both sad sacks. Where and like all the other contestants are like, I'm a funny asshole. Like, why would I be excited for them to pick like Jenny Any Dots or Buster for? Well, and you like Gus because he's like, all this stuff sucks because I'm old and decrepit now. Yeah. But he doesn't want to go. Gus is like, I'm just yeah. going to continue on doing what I'm doing yeah. because I love the theater. <laughs> so you're you're thinking Rum Tum Tugger then? <laughs> Goes to fu- fucking space. Yes. <laughs> Jason Derulo in space. The musical we've all been waiting. This for. is the sequel that we didn't know we were going to get to Cats. <laughs> Uh, thank you, thank you, Rob. That was very enlightening. Um, and it actually kind of explains why we got what we got. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm going to now talk about the movie production itself, uh, which is is basically a couple of like factoids, and then it it's all about the visual effects. Like, there's so much material about the visual effects, and like, why? Uh. <laughs> So the first thing is, um, there was cat school where the actors went to learn how to be a cat and their cat teacher was a sphinx cat, uh, specifically because there, there's no fur, fur, so you can see the, the movements of the cat body more cat. Um, it's gross, but also kind of fascinating. Yeah. It is, but it's and mostly here's gross. Like, here's the frustrating thing. Not is a like, cat, Rachel. It, like, I hated, <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought they were trying too hard to be cats in the film and we'll get to this um right like they're i'm like you're humans like just just don't try so hard to make me trick me into thinking you're a cat you're not um the two people who did not go to cat school are judy dench and um emma kellen yeah and that and they had like little things that indicated they were cats but never did i like look at what E. McKellen was doing and think like, oh, this is a cat. I am tricked into thinking a cat. Like there's one thing here, like rubs his face against the wall. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. It was great. Like I'm, you're giving me indicators that you are in the character of a cat. Whereas, but he also made it a stage superstition at that point, which oh, I only yeah, caught yeah. on second viewing. <laughs> he said, like really? he, he says, he says something about like good times coming or something like that. And uh-huh. then says touch wood. And then yeah, oh, yeah, he does. That's, that's right. That's yeah. kind of ace. That, that's, that's pretty great. Yeah. When that was a thing where you would touch the side of a door as you walk through a set. Yeah. But he was just doing it as a cat. Is that, that's not in the original, right? No, because there's no doors in the original. Yeah, that's, that's right. It's a junkyard. Um, I, I'm in my head, E. McCrellan, he brought that. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause he's, he's a theater person. Yeah. Um, so cats, and cat schools, like that, that sounds like a stupid thing I would say. Like, let's send them to cat school and it make really, it a naked cat. It, so they can... Yeah. It feels like a joke that you would come up right. with, but it's very real. Um, so, uh, this is something you mentioned while we were watching it, Rob, uh, Spielberg and his com- company Amblin wanted to make an animated version of this, um, of which there are some pretty cool, uh, concept art. Oh, really? Is there. it? Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, that company did, but five goes west is the only one that comes to mind, but they've, I can't, uh, we're American back. tale. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're back. Oh, we're back. American the tale. dinosaurs movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and Balto and Balto. And I kind of those are really good animated, right? Like I and yet. feel like they could have pulled it off, but the, um, but none of those movies were massive commercial success. No, and the company had shut down before they were able to put cats cats into production. Fully. Yarp. Um, Rebel Wilson and James Corden, <laughs> everyone's favorite cats. Knowing <laughs> that they were going to be filming a mostly full cast scene. 
found a place to lounge for the entire scene. And uh, so they wouldn't get tired. I just want to bring that up because I, I hate them and they're, they're lazy <laughs> actors. Um, that's to all. be fair to them, I very much feel like they were told, bring your shtick. Yeah. Because mm. those characters are done so mm. different from what they were in the original stage show that it's like, okay, Rebel, do your pitch perfect mm. shtick. And like, if that's the only thing that they did, no, I'd still hate them. But uh, <laughs> I'll get to some more hateable stuff. They're still hateable. Um, and they gave me a lot of material for it. Anyway, uh, the movie was, quote unquote, finished 48 hours before its premiere, which is not good. No. Especially because two days after it opened, an updated version of the film was sent out to theaters with like some minor VH, uh, VFX. Rockstar uh, produces right, right. out Specifically, the buttholes. Specifically, you could see... <laughs> <laughs> we are going to get to the buttholes. Uh, specifically, the, like one of the things they removed is Judy Dench's wedding ring. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. But it was in the cut we watched. Oh, was it? Yeah. Really? Yeah, we were when we were watching it last night, Judy Dench's ring was visible. Huh. So they still fucked it up. I guess. <laughs> I wonder if we just saw it in a scene where they missed it or... Could be. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, we could spend um, hours going over continuity gaps in this movie. Uh, <laughs> frame by frame. <laughs> so the the video effects people took six. We're told to take six months to work on a two minute trailer for this film, right? Which left them with four months to do the movie, the whole movie. Oh. Um. Video effects workers apparently slaved away on the film, working uh, between 90, 80 and 90 hour weeks for months, uh-huh. only to have their work openly criticized by Hooper, um, who would like ask for changes, but like has no had no idea how video effects work. Um, I didn't knew this. I didn't know this movie was also a uh, uh, labor disaster. Yeah, specifically with the visual effects. Mm-hmm. Like all I have for my section from here on out is visual visual effects stuff Christ Pinkerton's killing homestead killing at homestead and and cats those are my two big labor moments in American history oh god it gets so much worse um they they described working with Tom Hooper as horrible he's horrible disrespectful demeaning and demeaning uh and quote when you go into a conference room you're not allowed to speak and he talks to you like you're garbage uh now onto the buttholes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the moment uh, we've all been waiting for uh so and this is a direct quote from like one of the people that was like reviewing the footage um i think it was specifically judy dench's butthole um which is a phrase i would never <laughs> that's a cards against humanity card uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's gotta be quote we paused it we went we went to call our supervisor and we're like there's a fucking asshole in there. There's a butthole. It wasn't prominent, but you saw it. <laughs> and you were like, what the hell is that? It's a fucking butthole in there. <laughs> it wasn't in your face, but at the same time, too, if you're looking, <laughs> you'll see it. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> so there seems to be some debate on whether they were intentional assholes or unintentional assholes, meaning that the way that the fur kind of like laid on the human legs, the CGI, the CGI for like created a divot <laughs> that looked like a butthole. Wait, so the CGI fur just on its own 
coalesced morphed into, into a butthole. Correct. It it wasn't some pervert out there just like adding buttholes. That, okay. That the the perverts in the co- the there's the ghost in the machine. The ghost in the machine <laughs> is the pervert. In this situation. <laughs> just, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that th- does ruin some of the magic for yeah. me, but <laughs> it makes more also, sense. It makes it makes no, more sense. I really want to meet this pervert, <laughs> and it also means that the shape of Judy Dench's body caused the butthole cut, <laughs> which is also its own like fun fact. It's kind of magical, actually. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Good lord. There was also a, a piss scene that was cut. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah. Seriously? Uh, like a fairly graphic piss scene. Um, I guess like some of it's still in there. It's just not apparent that there's piss. There's a, they just sort of remove the liquid. Speaking of somebody who has had to clean up an asinine amount of cat piss over the past several months. Uh, both I, of you have. Yeah. I, I don't want to see cat piss in a movie where I'm trying to get no. away from the world around me. <laughs> I want to know, like, was it a name actor or was it like a side character who's just like pissing? <laughs> Rob, you, you Tom referred... Hooper accidentally walked into a shot and was just <laughs> pissing. <laughs> you referred to a moment as like the litter box dance. What? It's the moment in the Jellicle Ball where they're having all the choreography done by their tails yeah. and then they kick out their back legs like their dogs peeing. Oh my oh, god. No. <laughs> yeah. do, you think, do you think that's the piss moment? No. Oh, okay. Do you no. know what are the you piss aware, moment? I don't sir? Know are you specifically aware of the... where it is? Um, but from just the stuff I read, it sounds like it was something that was meant to be in the background of a comedic comedic scene. <laughs> so a Rebel Wilson or James Corden? Probably. Scene. Probably. I'm gonna vote James Corden. I think it was his scene. I mean, they I think did, Rebel they, Wilson they suggested did... it, and James Corden did it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. I mean, they, they already they already Plus gave him too a fat uh... to do that. <laughs> They already gave him a nutshot scene akin to akin to Jar Jar Binks, so like I would not be surprised. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean they ruined Buster for that. Used to be my, one of my favorite cats. Uh, yeah, I didn't mind him in the stage show. He's one and done and cute and funny. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Um, here, here's the part like I'm actually mad about. Uh, during the Academy Awards, Corden and Wilson came out in a. Oh. Poor reproduction of their costumes to present the award for outstanding visual effects. Mm-hmm. They did this to specifically mock the visual effects in Cats, saying, we know a thing or two about needing good visual effects. Uh, to thunderous applause from the audience, if I'm not mistaken. It, some of the people thought it was fucking hilarious. There's a couple of people who were just like, <laughs> which yeah. I forget who the, the she's like a comedian actress was. You could They like cut away from her really quick because she went. <laughs> like <laughs> not the reaction we wanted um which like given the amount of shit that the visual effects people had to go through both with tom hooper and then the time limit and then his unrealistic expectations to have them made fun of on the stage is ridiculous yeah like th- like this is like this is worse working conditions for visual effects mm-hmm. than the people who did the last airbender had to deal with yeah they're like making how... me feel so bad for the fever dream part that i yeah. loved the most well i'm gonna make you feel worse too um, <laughs> so before i get to that though like so they they cut away to the clips of the the various nominated films and then they would come back to it when they're supposed to like read the fucking card right right they start batting the mic back and forth. Oh, for God's sake. Because they're cats. Uh-huh. And, of course, the joke goes on longer than it is funny, which was not at all. And I'm I'm like, I've worked on so many crews where you're told, like, don't touch, touch the, the microphone. Mic. <laughs> don't touch. I'm like, that, that mic is probably worth 
more than like several months rent. Yeah. And these two assholes are up there smacking around. Mm. One of the video effects people, um, I th- I'm going to say his name is Ives, uh, Ives McRae, tweeted while this is while that scene was being played out. Uh, hey, guys, I haven't watched all the Oscars, but I assume these two are really classy and thanked me for working 80 hours, 80, 80 hour weeks until I was laid off and the studio closed. Right. Uh, in response to this bullshit. Um, the Video Effects Society uh, released a very long letter, which is great. I'm going to read a paragraph from it. Okay. Uh, Last night, in presenting the Academy Award for Outstanding Visual Effects, the producers chose to make visual effects a punchline and suggested that bad VFX were to blame for the poor performance of the movie Cats. The best visual effects in the world will not compensate for a story told badly. (laughs) And I was like, oh, shit. Get him. Uh, Fucking get him. Um, Because, yeah, I was telling Belinda earlier, I'm like, I'm pretty sure we we talked about an effects company that went, that shut down after a movie tanked. Was it, was Avatar or they just like. I don't know. I don't think they shut down. uh, I don't think we've actually had a discussion about something like that actually happening with one of our films. I know that happened after the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. After they were forced to recreate that entire thing after they released that. Uh, human-like yeah. nightmare of a Sonic they first made. Mm-hmm. That was what I was thinking of. And there was another movie recently that, like, they won the award for outstanding video effects, and they're like, "This is great. Too bad we're not a company anymore because oh, we're bankrupt." Oh yeah, I remember that. What, what I fucking movie was that? Was. Oh god, I remember liking the movie too. But um, we'll we'll add it in, in post later. Yeah, well, totally. Yep. Add that in post. Mm-hmm. Here it is, right here. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Watch me do it and make Jack feel bad now. <laughs> I would actually like for this whole section to be left in unedited. Fair. Great. <laughs> uh, as you wish. Um, Joe, over to you, bud. All right. Welcome to my uh, my podcast within a podcast, Lapsed Academic, where a guy tries <laughs> to use his literature degree for something other than <laughs> sadness. Joe, I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I'm specifically going to be talking about uh, about T.S. Eliot, because as we've mentioned several times over, uh, he was the one who created the source material that resulted in the stage show. So uh, T.S. Eliot, or uh, Thomas Stearns Eliot, I should say, uh, named after his grandfather, if I'm not mistaken, born September 26th, 1888, died January 4th, 1965, which uh, I don't know if you realize that he lived that long into the 20th century, because I sure fucking didn't. <laughs> Um, he was born in Missouri, but he actually moved to England and gave up his American citizenship. Hmm. Uh, he really liked it there. Uh, he's hailed as one of the best examples of modernist poets. Uh, it's a literary movement through the late 19th and early 20th centuries, uh, largely marked by its desire to break away from the more florid and and uh, strictly structured Victorian literary styles and you know aspects of those social movements to forge something new uh, to try and repurpose and recontextualize things from other cultures outside of just Victorian England and out and uh, and you know further into the past and try and bring them into something something more experimental and that's where we get shit like Ozymandias, then. That is where we get shit like Ozymandias. Gotcha. Yeah, that is. From the yeah. Watchmen? <laughs> God yeah. damn it. Alan Moore is eternal and lived, <laughs> has lived that long and gave T.S. Eliot the, the idea. So, so T.S. Eliot um, and is one of many 
that are hailed as like the you know the paragons of modernism. It's him, it's Ezra Pound, it's it's Virginia Woolf, it's uh, Gertrude Stein. Uh, outside of literature, it's Pablo Picasso. It's uh, Later on, Samuel Beckett, Bertolt Brecht, there's a bunch of people who factor into this. And it ranges from things as as uh, kind of, at this point, you would consider classic in terms of literature, like like image poetry and things like that. Things that are very, that are very grounded in creating images, but maybe play with structure and form a little bit more. Stuff like E.E. E. Cummings or stuff like, stuff that's longer form, like the, like, like the Wasteland of T.S. Eliot's. Um, or you have, or or it goes as far extreme as the Dadaists, who are often considered uh, as a part of the modernist movement. Though I would kind of think that they would actually be a little bit more, um, a little bit more opposed to it, considering the extreme nature right. of a lot of what they did and how far left they went. And now, oh God, I'm falling into a literature hole. Hold on, <laughs> here's a rope. Oh, thank you. Oh. Uh, anyway, uh, so Elliot, Elliot worked in publishing. And uh, he was the editor at large for a uh, for uh, Faber and Faber, I believe was the na- was the name of the publishing company. And through his connections there, uh, and with other and with other literary luminaries and so on and so forth, you know, he had uh, he had connections with people's kids. He knew these people very personally, and that's where Old Possum's book of Practical Cats initially started. Was in uh, in he would he would write these to the kids who were his. God, his godchildren. He was, huh. you know, he was close enough with a lot of these people that he was named a godparent several times. So he, so he started testing out these ideas, like these kids' poems, these lighter, these lighter pieces of verse that he that he wanted to share. Uh, and that's where all the jellical cats and whatnot came from. And it's where eventually we got uh, we got Old Possum, uh, which is also the name Old Possum. Actually, comes from Ezra Pound. That was his nickname for T. S. Eliot, uh, and T. S. Eliot would actually refer to him as Brer Rabbit, uh, <laughs> and then they would uh, they would have. Uh, there's, this is blowing up my entire childhood. <laughs> it's really weird. It, it's really weird, especially because apparently, like in like they would enjoy just kind of making like they like kind of like in their in their casual conversation with each other just like playfully slipping into like African American English, like you know, as a as a lark. <laughs> Huh. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, the, you have the Dadaists who are on the far left right. of things. Uh, Elliot and Pound, especially Pound, are very much the more conservative uh, of the huh. of the modernists. Uh, Elliot himself referred to himself as a royalist, huh. who is a, a branch of nationalism. And it specifically supports a particular monarch. I don't know what fucking one. I didn't care to look that up. Uh, <laughs> but Pound is really the one who went really far off the off the deep end because he literally moved to Italy and became a fascist, openly propping up and supporting uh, Benito Mussolini. He did radio oh. shows. He did what? radio shows to support Mussolini. That's a real fucking thing that Ezra Pound did. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. I did and not expect this when, podcast to go to Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> Lo and behold, um, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> Popping out of snow like daisies. <laughs> Six degrees of fascism. Oh, I hate it. Oh, it's God. like three degrees these days. <laughs> Where does uh... Kevin Bacon fall into the middle of that? God, I... <laughs> don't ruin my childhood. <laughs> I would be crushed if I found out that Kevin Bacon was a fascist. I'd be so upset. God. Tremors, um, Tremors exists outside of political <laughs> ideology. That is where I will live and die. That is your hill. Oh, God. <laughs> the second show in a row we've mentioned Tremors. Yeah, right? Um, so, so uh, 
before I go any further, I wanted mm-hmm. to take a second to um uh, to share the first piece from Old Possum's Book of Practical Cats. Um, obviously, these evolved a bit over time. As I said, they were initially told to you know his godchildren and his acquaintances' children. Uh, oftentimes, sent v on you know as in the form of letters on official Faber and Faber letterhead, which I thought was kind of weird. <laughs> but, like, there's there are collections that have those, and like you can view them online. It's kind of strange, but you know whatever. Um, so this is. T.S. Eliot's The Naming of Cats. The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. (laughs) First of all, there's the name that the family used daily, such as Peter, Augustus, Alonzo, or James, just as Victor or Jonathan, George or Bill Bailey, all of them sensible, everyday names. There are fancier names if you think they sound sweeter for some for the gentlemen and some for the dames, such as Plato, Admetus, Electra, and Demeter, but all of them sensible everyday names. But I tell you, a cat needs a name that's particular, a name that's peculiar and more dignified. Else how can he keep up his tail perpendicular, or spread his whiskers, or cherish his pride? You know, those things you need a fucking name to do! <laughs> I think you said one of the cat's names was Metis? Demeter. Demeter. <laughs> Metis? Ad- Ad- Admetus. Admetus, but... You're gonna add a metis? <laughs> then cut it off. <laughs> Digitally from Jason. Oh yeah, I really gotta, gotta of, remove that. <laughs> of names of this kind, I can give you a quorum, such as Monkestrap, Quaxo, or Coricopat, or Bombalarina, or else Jelly Lorum, names that never belong to more than one cat. But above and beyond, there's still one name left over. The name that no human research can discover. But the cat himself knows and will never confess. When you notice a cat in profound meditation, the reason I tell you is always the same. His mind is engaged in a rapt contemplation of the thought, of the thought, of the thought of his name, the ineffable, effable, the ineffable, deep and inscrutable singular name. Hail Satan! And that's the naming of cats. <laughs> and you'll note, like, 70% of that came straight into the show. Yeah. 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 <laughs> However, yeah, so they're Quaxa Quaxa did not. They're absolutely Elder Tours. Yeah. Um, I'm also noticing, like, a really close alignment of children's media and, like, drug fever dreams that I thought existed because of the 60s and 70s, but predates it by a mm-hmm. long time. It, it's absolutely astounding. So so drugs were not involved in the writing of these. Oh, I have no books. idea. Uh, ah, to okay. my, uh, I mean, he maybe. I, I don't know. I don't know his drug use habits. So the other thing that cocaine the, coming back around, right? <laughs> uh, like, so, like ballet. <laughs> so the other thing that's really important to note about T. S. Eliot is he was married. Uh, in fact, he was married twice. Uh, he his first wife um, uh, had a laundry list of health problems and and mental issues, and eventually was committed to an asylum uh, where she died. Mm. Unfortunately, it's very sad. Um, later in life, T.S. Eliot then married uh, his secretary, who was less than half his age. He was 65 and she was 30. Uh, yeah, her name was Valerie, or she went by Valerie. Uh, and she is the one who eventually came to give, uh, to give her uh, the blessing of the Eliot estate mm-hmm. to Andrew Lloyd Webber. So... 
there have been several offers at several points to do an adaptation of Cats. And aside from the Amblin one that mm-hmm. was going to happen before they before the animation studio went under, they had turned away several, apparently, because they were afraid that it would be too childish. You know, I see. The, the, the book of poems about cats for children <laughs> might right. be too childish. <laughs> I see. So anyway, Andrew Lloyd Webber suggests to Valerie that they do something a little bit more adult, a little more risque, a little more something along the lines of hot gossip. Hot gossip. You can just Google hot gossip or YouTube hot gossip. And, uh, it's, a band. it's a band. Oh. Yeah. So you'll see. And apparently her response to that was, oh, Tom would have liked that very much. Uh, <laughs> so here we are. Well, that, that was the thing you said. What um, happened? <laughs> what happened? I, bl- I blacked out. <laughs> You're better for it. Okay. Uh, I don't know that that makes it clear how we got here, but... Uh, no. <laughs> and I think, given... I mean, one of the one of the largest notes that were given, not only about this about this movie and about the stage show, but also uh-huh. about the uh, about the, the original book, is that there's no there's no narrative thread. Right. There, there, these are this is just a col- a collection of random stuff that he f- found fun and interesting about cats and like T. S. Eliot did love cats as mm-hmm. well. A lot of these a lot of these cat names were names he actually gave his cats. Uh, um, what the fuck Metis. was the one? Mises, yeah, he's directly named one of his cats after a pee hole. Yes, right. Um, no, Jelly Lorem specifically. Uh, okay. I know, I know for a fact it was one of his cats. Um, but he had many over the years. So, yeah. Um, I'm excited to move on to this palate cleanser. <laughs> one one thing should sure. tie in though that does go across. Uh, Elliot's widow would have had tie in to approving any film version. Would have, but she's dead. She's dead now. She died right. in 2012, so she did not. Uh, yeah, she did okay. not live to so, see like, this. Other options for making it a film mm-hmm. earlier, she could have KO'd. Yes, that's uh, why only the Amblin happened, and then why there was such a long development hell. Mm-hmm. So was she the reason we didn't get an Amblin version? No, that no, was, she had... that was money. She okay. was okay with them, but that's why like there were multiple approaches to other studios at different times to do it. They would get shot down because like one of the things I would say would make this movie better is if it was not made now. Like if it was made closer to when the stage show came out, but if she was nixing them, then that makes, that makes more sense. Um, Great. Let's talk about furries. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So actually we're going to talk about furries and porn and they are actually kind of two separate universes. I was surprised to find because I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not in the community and it it showed in my research. So I, I decided to look up the furry reaction and the sort of rule 34 uh, surrounding cats because I, to preface this as we were watching the movie I noticed that there's a really weird horny energy to the whole thing TM uh, horny energy TM 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 um, <laughs> and uh, so I mean Rob for the original stage version was there also just like big horny energy in no. the whole thing no no Okay. It has its moments, but they they upped the horniness by a factor of twenty. <laughs> I, I feel like if there was any horniness, it was just because like it's skin tight leotards, but like not yeah. all the cats were. But Rum Tug Tugger is still a fucker, right? Right, um, fuck boy. And um, McCavity has a, a large amount of thrusting to do. Yeah, but yeah, there 
in the the Lindsay That's Ellis finished. video that I shared with everybody, there is a, there are some moments where they focus in pretty hard on some of some on some thrusting that takes mm-hmm. place. But yeah, that's a, that's very limited to my understanding. Yeah. yeah. So for for this version, the the thing that made me think to look this up is the is the fact that like as opposed to a skin tight leotard, mm-hmm. CGing fur over a morph suit just looks even more like oh these are just naked furry people. Um, and then a lot of them are like doing ballet and like rolling over top of each other as like as previously mentioned with the like uh, sibling threesome song, um, <laughs> the un- unfortunate situation there. So I I sort of dove into these two dual worlds of the furry reaction to the film when it was coming out and the Rule Thirty Four that exists on the internet as a result. Um, for as far as the furry reaction goes, I looked mostly at Reddit and um, fur affinity, um, hmm. uh, specifically the furry subreddit and then the forum of fur affinity. What, um, what is fur for affinity? Fur, fur affinity fur. is it's just a it's a furry forum. Oh, okay, yeah, it's just like a furry community site. Yeah, okay. um, both of them had like pretty much the only reaction to the movie as it was coming out was. That the uncanny valley was really <laughs> horrifying, uh-huh. um, and that they fucking hate James Corden. Uh, <laughs> it was this over <laughs> and over and over again in various threads. I uh, saw a, a couple of choice quotes uh, pulled from the furry subreddit. Uh, I'd rather watch the Sonic movie than that animation. Hell yeah! <laughs> and from Fur Affinity, we keep consuming movies like this. This is our fault. We made this profitable. We made this hell for ourselves. Now we must revel in it. Learn to enjoy the pain. <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. So uh, the reaction from the furry community was negative. Decidedly negative. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, I dove into specifically, there are a couple of, like, s- specific Rule 34 image board websites. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, I dove into into those. Uh, it was a strange trip. Um Mostly because uh, – so there are some drawings based on the original costumes, and I assume these were drawn closer to the original time, like erotica drawn in the um, the 80s and 90s. Um, lots of Rum Tum Tugger right. with a giant cock. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's just Jason Derulo. <laughs> time-traveling Jason Derulo. <laughs> it's time-traveling cock. <laughs> um, for the newer God. stuff – there was one artist that did – so there were there were two sort of big porn universes for this. One was one artist on their own. Um, it was very human shape but with a cat number of nipples specifically. <laughs> um, but these the, – it seems like the reaction to these drawings was pretty muted. Um, there huh. wasn't a lot of uh, – so, so for these image boards, there's usually a like a like button that consists of "I came to this," um, <laughs> and there wasn't a lot on this particular set of drawings. Hmm. Um, He's drawing for the passion of it, not for the <laughs> not for the coops. Not, not for the coops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the um, not a lot of comments, not a lot of coops. Um, uh, this artist also did like other areas focused mostly on cats. Uh, with the proper number of nipples, but also like, there's one of like no face eating a person, like what flesh consumption. Uh, this draw this artist was into some pretty weird stuff. Um, so, so, some, some guru, so, some yeah. guru stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, define guru for me. Oh yeah. 
Uh, Guru. Uh, gore porn? Gore, yeah. It's the, gore the, porn? Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah specifically, sense. like, yeah, uh, like visceral and bloody and involves a lot of consumption yeah. and eating of yeah. parts. Yeah. And... No, no kink shame out there, but um, I'm good. <laughs> sure. Um, one aspect that did get a lot of buzz on these image boards was the um, T-Swift fakes of her as Bomblerina, oh, which I think arguably is darker than the Guru shit because it gets into the like celebrity fakes that have been around uh, yeah. since Photoshop was a mm, thing. Yeah. Um, because uh, there's considerably less consent involved in this. Right. Um, so that was pretty much the only other area of focus, and there was a ton of buzz around those. Um, but I think that had more to do with T-Swift than it did cats. Yeah. I so mean, overall, the furry and porn stuff didn't really come together despite uh -huh. the big horny energy of the movie. Um, it, I think the fever dream was just too much. Like, nobody wanted it. <laughs> I didn't feel bad about having you on this episode and, if you cats. <laughs> and then I listened to you talk about what you had to see with your own eyes. Yeah. And I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all right. I got a quiz question right at the beginning of the episode. So it's true. I belong here. You, pr you did you prove that one. demonstrably through our very scientific vetting process. <laughs> oh, God. I, uh, while researching my stuff, I was looking for people's reaction to, um, the musicals, the the original say show, and one person was like, "I'm not gonna lie, watching they had like the stage show on VHS growing up, and the kid they just like watch over and over and over and over again like kids do, uh, and like the part with Rum Tum Tugger is just worn out, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it definitely woke something in me, and uh, then there's a silence." <laughs> uh, so I not the movie necessarily, but I would be amazed if like no one had their furry awoken by the that's stage the show. thing. I think the stage show stays away from the uncanny. Like if we're talking yeah. about like stuff that like so furry is like there's a porn aspect to it, and then there's just like a like non non horny fandom yeah. associated. Like there are two universes that have a lot of overlap, but exist separately. And for um. For the stage show, I feel like that stays a far away enough from the uncanny valley mm -hmm. that um, it's not as horrifying to the people that like furry shit. Right. Yeah. Where the new movie is right there with uh, like it, the Christmas so, train movie that I'm forgetting. Oh, oh, Polar, Polar Express. Express. It's yeah. right there with Polar it's Express. Real deep in the uncanny valley. Yeah. Where like nobody wanted it. This was far more educational than I expected. <laughs> Um, you're welcome. I'm happy about that. <laughs> well, something along the line, what you're talking about, and did not dawn on me until you were discussing that, mm. is one of the differences is the mocap suits for the movie are then used to accentuate the crotchal areas, <laughs> like to show more and more movement yeah. there. The the tights on Broadway and in the West End, I mean, it's a dance belt, and mm -hmm. the, the costumes are designed to sort of hide the Can you area. explain to so the, the general opposite. pop? Yeah. Can you explain dance belt to the general populace? A torturous rubber band to keep your junk in place. <laughs> <laughs> Thank to you. keep you from not harming yourself, but also to avoid VPN on stage. Yes. <laughs> now I need a word. VPN? Oh, sorry. VPL. I don't know what that is either. Uh, Visible penis line. <laughs> it's a modeling term. So Jason Derulo. V yeah. Jason Derulo, VPL. Yes. Those are. VV. <laughs> 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 
God damn it. <laughs> Actually, this is, so I feel like this is the proper time for me to ask, because you mentioned there are certain communities that fucking notice Jason Derulo. Oh, yeah, it was like the topic on every gay message board. In the right. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I just didn't know if like the, uh, the conversation went beyond like, whoa, dick, or if that was it. No, it was that, but it was because he was the one who like broke the rumor. Like he, like I said, he did a Photoshop of him in a towel with VPL and yeah. posted like, yeah. Uh, so they had to do some digital altering. Yeah. And I was like, holy toot your own hood, Orin, dude. And like, now I'm starting to think maybe that's Photoshop too. So it wasn't even <laughs> thirst posting on these message boards. It was like, get over yourself, Jason Derulo. I well, fucking... no, there was okay. a lot of thirsting. So both. There was also a lot of like, really, dude? Now, <laughs> now part of me wants to believe that he's, that he's secretly been Photoshopping his own VPL this entire time. Possible. And that he did, and that, and that the Photoshop work that had to be done by the visual effects team, he actually went into assist with because he's been doing it for so long that he knows exactly what to do <laughs> to do it right. He was the secret <laughs> consultant. <laughs> there it is. Um, what has he done bef- uh, other than Cats? He's a singer. He's a singer. Okay. He's a pop pop singer. Okay. Because his, his song, I'm like, oh, you singer. actually like, sounds good. To be fair, Cats has never, ever, ever, ever been known for like the quality of the vocal. Mm. Right. Uh, Vince, thanks for being a pervert. Um, <laughs> anytime. Would you uh, like like to plug anything? Any where where people can see you? Uh, maybe mention your your novel that will come out someday. And I'd like to keep my novel identity and myself separate. Fair. So I'll I'll tell them later. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so this is this is Vince. He's a pervert. Uh, <laughs> uh, nothing more. Uh, you can find me as uh, dollboy underscore Jack on all the socials. Um, Joe? Um, you can find me at JM Nealis on Instagram, where I sometimes share some art stuff. You can find the show now at DeRazzledPod on Twitter, now that we have yeah. that active. Um, also, uh, DeRazzledPodcast on Instagram and the Facebooks. If you can subscribe or like or comment, all those things. Uh, we're slowly building an audience, and that uh, real, really helps. Real quick, Rob, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I'm good. You're good. Okay. You have any shows coming up? I am doing Pirates of Penzance in the spring. So, Ooh, great. excellent. What and what what theater are you with again? Currently, I am the vice president of the Pittsburgh Civil Yards. Beautiful. Okay. I didn't hear that. Can you say it again? <laughs> I work for the Pittsburgh Savoy Yards, the only operetta company in Pittsburgh, and the oldest operating theater company in the city. Hmm. Beautiful. Uh, all right. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing you in episode two of Cats. Real quick, I want to say, I want to say real fast. Um, just thank you all for everything that you've been doing in terms of like listening and subscribing and reviewing and whatnot. Uh, please keep doing that. Please keep, uh, please leave reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts so that we get further up in those search results. On uh, on Podchaser, on Good Pods, on all of that. Like find us, leave us five stars, leave comments about of what you like about what you're hearing. Um, our first episode, Wild Wild West, broke a hundred listens just yeah. so, uh, just before Thanksgiving, and I it, don't forget to mention that. Our recent episode on Batman and Cunnilingus bolted up to almost it, 100. It's our it's at 95 listens the last time I looked. It's our third highest listened episode. And it's been out for two weeks. Like you, you guys are all perverts. I'm, <laughs> given, I love all in of the best you. way. In the best way. Yes. Given my research aspect, I'm listening to that immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so 97 by the end of the night. Hell uh, yeah. Fantastic. See yins all next week.
And we will be sure to, as always, razzle-dazzle you. Yeah, we will. 